0: Welcome to episode 18 of the Ball Street Podcast, now available wherever you get your podcasts and at Ball Street Pod on Instagram and Twitter. There's an old proverb that says a man's got to make one bet a day, or else he could be walking around lucky and never know it. We'll see about that. Let's get started. The possibility of successfully navigating an asteroid field
1: is approximately 3,720 to 1. Never tell me the odds. You don't know where i have been, Will. Oh my oh, god. god. You can't spot the sucker in your first half hour, and you are the sucker. You're busy living, you're busy you know I always tell him, even when I lie. I'm not a game. I'm not a
0: hustle.
1: Come on, we've been moving.
0: What is up, my Ball Street elites? Yes, my essential workers. What is up? What is up? Oh, man. Welcome back to episode 18 on August 13th at approximately 8 in the morning in the recording studios of the Ball Street Podcast, which, of course, is my car, the Jeep Cherokee, in the abandoned parking lot in Bloomfield, Connecticut. Where exactly is that? Who knows? And... Of course, as always, I am your host, Jake Lenick, here, spitting facts all day, every day, twice on Tuesday, three times on Wednesday, and even more on Thursday mornings, and, ha! Ah, have you ever had mornings like I am having currently? You know, you wake up early, the birds are chirping, the sun is out, the clouds are parting, and you just feel great. You're coming off of some great beats on gambling. Life could not be going better. Except, oh wait, that's not the morning I'm having. Yes, the latter is all true. It's a beautiful day. I woke up early. I feel great. I feel great while I'm podcasting. I feel fantastic sitting here talking to you. However, as far as good beats go, hell no. Why can't anything go my way ever Just once, I would like to know the good life. Just once, I would like to know how it feels to not get the raw end of the stick. I make all these great bets, great bets. Before the game, the bets that I make are fantastic. They make a lot of sense. And then something happens. And it's not even the fact that the team that I bet on just loses. If they lose, it's a loser. And you know what? You live and you learn. You crash and you burn and you move on. I'm okay with that. The problem that I have with the bets that I place is that they inspire hope. And hope is the worst thing that could happen to a guy like me because I am a romantic. I am an optimist. And in terms, that makes me stupid. So when a bet is a loser, I become hopeful. And then the hope turns into a distorted reality And then if some sort of comeback or anything starts to happen, I start to believe that I might actually win. Let me explain. Last night, I had a little parlay going. I had the Minnesota Twins, they rolled. It was the easiest bet I ever made. Now, if I only made that bet and I made it a single bet and I just put my life on it, I'd be here, I'd be sitting here as a smart guy who made a smart bet who won a lot of money. But no, I can't just do smart things. I see the word parlay. I see the word parlay, and my mind's just like, wait, I could take that lock and make it even more profitable by taking a stupid bet versus the hottest team in baseball when I bet on the Toronto Blue Jays playing at a field that they don't even call home against the Miami Marlins, who some may argue are the hottest team in baseball. Now, let me explain to you what happened in this game in case you don't know what I'm talking about, in case you didn't understand how Hope was inspired. The Blue Jays immediately go down 8 nothing by the third inning. Okay, happens. You lose some, okay? But of course, I don't stop watching. I see things through. I don't give up. I'm not a, I, like, I'm a loser, but I'm not a loser. You know what I'm saying? Like, so I try to see things through. They go down 8 nothing. Before I know it, two home two, two run home runs in two innings. All of a sudden, it's 8-4, then 9-4, then 11-4. Then the Blue Jays go back and they make it 11-6. And then all of a sudden, it's 11-8. And then all of a sudden, it's the bottom of the eighth. And the Blue Jays go back to back to tie it up. 11-11 in the bottom of the eighth. I'm like, oh my God, we're winning, right? 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 Top of the ninth happens, no runs for the Miami Marlins. Bottom of the ninth happens, I texted my friend. I texted Connor Burks, who was on this podcast, my, my gambling buddy. And I said, we better finish it here. Because that fluky man on second rule in extra innings is going to f**k us. And what happened? The Blue Jays didn't score in the ninth inning. The Miami Marlins, Don Mattingly outmanaged whoever the Blue Jays manager is. Isto facto, I get bad-beated again. How can a team make an eight-run comeback and still lose? Only, only when I gamble on them. My mind is blown into smithereens. My brain is busted. I feel terrible. I should be enjoying myself this morning. I feel great. I'm in perfect health. It is a perfect 72 degrees out. Partly cloudy, sunny, beautiful, no wind. And yet I'm sitting here like a mush potato feeling like garbage. Now, one bad beat is not the worst thing in the world. Again, things happen. I'm an optimist. You live and you learn. You crash and you burn and you move on. But this came on the heels of something that I told you guys last week. And what am I talking about? You must know what I'm talking about. If you listen to last week's podcast, you know exactly what I'm talking about. Last week, I came to you with Jake's Takes. Talking about the PGA Championship. I said that you could take Brooks Kepka. Smart bet. Guy doesn't lose. He was in the running the whole the whole time. But he ended up losing. Doesn't matter. He wasn't my guy. You know that. I said Jordan Spieth could crack the top 40. Didn't happen. He stunk. But I said last weekend was about one man and one man only. And who was that? Dustin Johnson Dustin Johnson Dusty Kochs my guy married to Wayne Gretzky's daughter Wayne Gretzky one of the greatest champions you would think that in some weird way Wayne Gretzky's incredible athletic powers and closeout powers would rub off on Dustin Johnson through Paulina Gretzky you would think so but no Dustin Johnson. I was on my way to being right about Dustin Johnson one more time. One more time after one of my greatest all-time radio moments in the history of my life. I was on my way to being two for two with Justin, with Dustin Johnson. But what happened? 54-hole lead. All he needs to do is make a couple of birdies, and he falls flat on his face. Meanwhile, credit where credit is due, Colin Morikawa. The, the two holes, I think it was 15 and 16. 15, he... He chips in for birdie, and then the hole after the drivable par four, he drops his nuts on the green. He drives it to five feet within the hole, and and uh, puts in for for eagle to essentially take on the championship. Credit where credit is due. But Dustin Johnson, what the hell, man? I was on your I was on your team. I vouched for you. Not only did you look like an asshole because of you, you made me look like an asshole because of you. What the hell, man? Jesus Christ. I'm losing it over here. I'm losing it. He breaks a record for the most majors blown after a 54-hole lead. And I've been on many of those. I've been on many of those. I'm upset. I'm mad. I'm angry. I'm positive. I'm an optimist. We're going to get back to it. I'm excited. But at least with a lot of bad beats comes one decent beat. One decent beat. You know, I'm a soccer guy. I bet soccer. And as you know, I've been on this podcast saying that in the Champions League, I have two teams and two teams only. One being PSG, Paris, France, French, hon, Pierre. Yeah, that's what I know about France. That's what I know about France. PSG yesterday, I bet, a parlay with them, another parlay, which I'm sure will go favorably for me. PSG was on the front end. Byron's on the last end. I put a decent amount on this one and I was ready to give up hope. PSG goes down one, nothing early. They're essentially down one, nothing the entire way, the entire way. And I'm like, I've seen this too many times. The better team goes down one, nothing. The worst team just goes back in defense, suffocates the better team, end the game one nothing after just wanting to, scroll, to crawl out of your skin. But that's not what happened. And those who watch the game knows that that's not what happened. Paris, PSG, they score in like the 83rd minute to make it 1-1. And they were like, okay, we could go to extra time or we can bully these guys. We got them on the ropes now. And then in the 93rd minute, 3 minutes into 5 minute extra time, Paris scores again to take the game to qualify to move on in the Champions League the Champions League that they have never won before this is their year I bet on them I told you to bet on them Mbappe and Neymar on the same team they must have the greatest scoring third in the world all I have to say is Bayern Munich you have not failed me one time. I've been on this podcast vouching for you time and time and time again. Games on Friday. Do not let me down. That's my first thought. <laughs> How are you guys doing? I'm doing great, as you guys can tell. I, I'm sitting here, and I've never been flourishing more. My mental state has never been better. I, I feel as, as Jake as I possibly can. This is the most Jake I've ever felt. Ah oh, man. I feel great. I want to move on to a storyline that's really catching my eye, though. Last week, I was on this podcast, and I was telling you guys about the Portland Trailblazers and how much I love the Portland Trailblazers. As much as I am a Knicks fan, I have been on the Trailblazers bandwagon for quite some time. Damian Lillard, I always said, was my favorite non nick in the NBA. He's been that way for about five years now. And then the Trailblazers went ahead and got Carmelo Anthony to add on to a roster full of people that I like. Terry Stotts is a coach that I like. They're just a well-ran franchise. Cool jerseys, cool history, all this. I was on this podcast last week telling you how if they sneak into the A seed, and this was a half joke, that they could be a dangerous A seed. It, it was almost wishful thinking. It was almost wishful thinking. I was thinking that they would sneak into the A seed somehow, way, find a way and beat the Los Angeles Lakers as a one seed. I was like, you know what? My favorite Western Conference team, them and the Dallas Mavericks, can take down the Lakers and the Los Angeles Clippers. Then, Paul George and Pat Beverly decided to talk smack to Damian Lillard. And they got him mad. They got him angry. And that was a big, big, big mistake. I don't think that since that Los Angeles Clippers game where he missed two free throws pretty much to tie up the game and go into overtime, which they ended up losing, he has scored less than 50 points in wins. He said the mentality was to go out and win every single game from here on out. And they have done just that on the back of Damian Lillard, even though that team is great and loaded and I'm, I'm all on board. But Damian Lillard has been on a different level, a different league. I saw a tweet the other day that Damian Lillard, you know he's the type of guy that doesn't look at NBA players as friends. Those are his co-workers. And those co-workers were talking a whole lot of smacking and made him mad. And they awoke the dragon. And now I'm sitting here, and I'm going to tell you exactly what I said last week, but I am dead, dead serious right now. If the Portland Trailblazers become an eighth seed, The Lakers, the Western Conference, is in trouble. That team is loaded. They got players up and down that roster. All over the place. Good first team, good second team. They got 10 fully capable NBA players on that team, let alone two superstars with Damian Lillard, who's a top 10, arguably top 5 player in the NBA. CJ McCollum, who's an unbelievable asset. Carmelo Anthony, who's been on fire. Shocker. You give him open shots and he makes them. The guy's one of the greatest scorers of all time. They tried to oust my man out of the league. Yeah, I'm a conspiracy theorist, but yes, they tried to get Carmelo Anthony out of the league. Gary Trent Jr., bucket guy. Nurkic, good big man. Zach Collins, good role player. They could get Mario Hazonia, Super Mario. And he's a crafty 6'8 forward. Sucks at defense, but he could get you buckets. Hassan Whiteside. They got people up and down this roster. The Lakers are in turmoil right now. I get it. We're doubting the Lakers because they haven't really had much to play for in this bubble. And LeBron has looked bad. He'll, He'll be a different player come playoff time. I guarantee that. But the Trailblazers are every bit as talented as the Lakers. And it makes me think about other eight seeds that came up big in the playoffs in NBA history. And two come to mind. The first one, of course, being the 99 Knicks. And I think that the 99 Knicks is actually a decent comparison to this year's Blazers. The 99 Knicks, even though the Trailblazers aren't spearheaded, their, their emotional captain isn't an older Patrick Ewing with bad knees. It's a younger superstar, Damian Lillard. But the comparison comes with, it was a shortened season in 1999, and the team that finished off the 99 season with the Knicks was a lot different than the one that they started the season with. They were a lot better come the end of the season than they were in the beginning of the season, hence the A seed. It was a misleading eighth seed. The talent level on that team was not 8th seed level. Allen Houston, Latrell Sprewell, who was traded for midseason that year, Larry Johnson, Charlie Ward, Chris Childs, all these guys. Good NBA players to pair along with Patrick Ewing, who although was old, was still a very serviceable NBA player. And then the Ewing theory kicked in. Shout out uh, Bill Simmons with the Ewing theory, how when your emotional leader goes down, which he did in the playoffs, the rest of the team rallies around. They played some unbelievable basketball. God was on their side. Larry Johnson's four-point play, one of the greatest moments in sports history. You guys know the rest. Lost to the Spurs in the finals. But another one is uh, is the 8th seed Warriors in 2007. The We Believe Warriors. They took down the number one seed too. And this team was full of bucket getters. It's another comparable situation to the Blazers. Because this was a team that could just straight up light you up. At any given time. And that's what the Trailblazers are. They got a ton of guys who can make a ton of buckets. Now, I've I've been on this podcast telling you guys about bucket guys. I've been saying bucket guys over and over again. So, at this point, it's got to be burned into your head. But, talk about bucket guys. This was a bucket team. Their starting lineup was Baron Davis, Stephen Jackson... Monta Ellis, Matt Barnes, and Al Harrington. You got two of the greatest buckets of all time, paired along with two pretty above average bucket guys, and then you got Matt Barnes for, you know, defense and talking smack. But all this talk about the Portland Trailblazers being the Los Angeles Lakers in the future, Damian Lillard about to win my guy Carmelo Anthony an NBA championship, I can't wait for all of it, but it got me thinking. It got me thinking about great underdog teams, teams that everybody could rally around because the narrative is great on them. Everything is good for them. Everybody likes a good underdog story, right? So that's going to bring us to our segment, the Jerry Stiller, Kobe Bryant Memorial First Team All Underdog Teams. All underdog teams. Start the music. from Leicester England the 2015-2016 Leicester Football Club Now all I got to say about this was if I have le- if I had learned about this in the beginning of the season this is like the ultimate hindsight team of all time this is the number one fact that always comes with the Leicester City Football Club in 2015-2016 They were going at 5000 to 1 to win the Premier League in the beginning of that season, and they won the Premier League that season. $1 gets you $5,000. Talk to me in gambling terms, and I will forever with you. One of my greatest regrets is not just putting some money on that. I wasn't a soccer guy back then. That's my own fault. Won't happen again, guaranteed. At Shooting Guard from Raleigh, North Carolina. The 1983 North Carolina State Wolfpack! Jim Valvano, RIP, great dude. Derek Wittenberg, Lorenzo Charles, and company. Beating Phi Slamma Jamma, Hakeem Olajuwon, and Clyde Drexler in college in Houston. The Cougars. That's an all-time roster right there. A little, the little guy beating up on the big guy that's what we all root for the NC State Wolfpack and shout out to NC State I think a a part of me in a different reality in a different timeline went to NC State because this is the second week in a row that NC State has cracked the Kobe Bryant Jerry Stiller Memorial first team all subject list last week it was TJ Warren NC State alum legend bucket guy this this week they're the underdog team that everybody knows and loves. Jim Galvano, rest in peace, at small forward from all over the United States. Then 1980, Miracle on Ice! I know we're living in difficult times right now where you it, it's pretty hard to try and be proud to be an American. No matter how much you hear the song, I'm proud to be an American. I don't think anybody has listened to that song since like 2002. But the U.S. hockey team... The group of amateurs from all over the place. The sons of mill workers and coal miners. Beating up on the professional Soviet team. Spearheaded by the coach, Eyebrows McGee. I don't know his name. I just call him Eyebrows McGee. I just knew he had some really bushy eyebrows. But if that doesn't make you feel patriotic, you might be dead inside. I think it made people that aren't from America feel patriotic. It's the little guy. It's Rocky Balboa beating up on the the Siberian Express. Drago. That, see, like, that's where America really lost its way. I'm not about to go on a, on a whole America rant, but America used to be the underdog, and now we're the world power, and I don't think America's really good at being the world power. We need to be like the wild card George Washington crew drinking beer and just beating up on some redcoats, playing our flutes and banging on our drums. That's what we need to do. Did I just fix America? I might have. But yes... The 1980, Miracle on Ice, the most patriotic thing ever. As soon as I think I'm out on America, they blow me back in, it's like the Godfather. Michael Ruzioni, who do you play for? The United States of America! Miracle on Ice, your starting small forward for the Jerry Stiller, Kobe Bryant Memorial first team all subject, all underdog team list. At power forward, standing at 5'8", from Albuquerque, New Mexico, and 6'4", from Columbus, Ohio, Holly Holm and Buster Douglas! Now, this isn't a team, but I thought that if I paired the two greatest combat sport upsets I've ever seen, that it would make a team. Buster Douglas, everybody knows, 42-1 to beat Mike Tyson. And Holly Holm beating Ronda Rousey. I mean, Buster Douglas uh, arguably is more impressive because Mike Tyson was unbeatable. Iron Mike. Nobody could make it out of the third round with Mike Tyson. In hindsight, Mike Tyson losing to Buster Douglas was more remarkable. But I remember the Holly Holm fight better. I was in college at the time. I had people come over. I really didn't like Ronda Rousey. I love women's UFC fights. I really do. But Ronda Rousey's whole shtick was so annoying. How she was the hardo. How she always came up her walk-in music was like, I don't give a damn about my reputation, and she always had, like, that mean scowl on her face, and she just seemed like the biggest hardo ever. And then Holly Holm kicked her in the face, and Ronda Rousey never recovered from that. It, it sent shockwaves to her whole body. And, like, now I-, I, like, Ronda Rousey's okay. Now she's in the WWE doing what she does best, acting for a living. She, she was great at that. Her whole shtick in the UFC was all an act, and I get that. I could separate the act from reality. I'm good at that. I just didn't like her act. But in WWE, it fits. That's like saying I don't like The Rock because he puts his eyebrow up really high. It's all an act. It's cool. UFC doesn't really fit so well, especially when you get kicked in the face and you've never gotten hit before, and you just turn into a shriveled-up grape, and then afterwards you can't win a fight. The girl was unbeatable before that, but Holly Holm, that kick in the face was magnificent. At center, your captain from New York, the Giants and the Knicks. Now, this is more about the 2007-2008 Giants beating the 16-0, 18-0 New England Patriots. New England Patriots, 18 wins and one giant loss. We all remember that, but David Tyree's helmet catch could be one of the greatest things I've ever seen. We all know that. I mean, that underdog story. I'm not a Giant fan, as you guys all know, but I am an underdog fan, and that's exactly what the Giants were that year. They were massive underdogs, 12-point underdogs to be exact, and they ended up winning. It it still takes my breath away to this day. But the Knicks also cracked this list because of the 99 Knicks. Even though they didn't win the championship, it will forever be a great underdog story. They almost were able to climb to the mountaintops. But again, I was alive at the time, so they just can't come through for me. They will never come through for me. But Patrick Ewing and Carmelo Anthony will forever be the captain of the Jerry Stiller-Kobe Bryant Memorial First Team All-Subject list. Let's move on to Jake's takes, and we got a big weekend coming. We got a big weekend coming. I'm not talking about basketball. The playoffs are going to be starting this week. No, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about Saturday, UFC 252. Man, oh, man, am I pumped. I mean, last time we had a UFC event, I had Connor on here. I had Troy, our UFC expert on here, my producer, and we cleaned up. This week, it's just me. It's just my word. All I got is my word and my stones. Let's take an old Will Kane saying, all I got is my word and my stones. And right now, all I got is my word. So UFC 252, I always say don't take the parlay. I got a little parlay for you, obviously. Obviously, I got a parlay. But UFC 252 is about one man and one man only. It's not the main event. The main event is a decoy. It's there as an optical illusion. It's a mirage. Don't even pay attention to it, even though it will be in the parlay. It's a loser to bet on, but it will be in the parlay. But UFC 252 is about one man and one man only. And we talked about him last time. He is my guy. He is our guy. He's the people's champion. I'm all aboard the Sugar Sean O'Malley train. Sugar Sean O'Malley, he is going to kill Marlon Vera this weekend. Sugar Sean O'Malley... Is one of the bigger locks I've seen in UFC in quite some time. I'm taking Sugar Sean O'Malley over Marlon Vera, going at minus three ten. Throw your life on that. I know the payoff's not good, but that's why it's such a heavy favorite. The problem with me, the problem with us, is that we're we're Wall Street elites, we're essential workers, dollar in a dream, churning the wheel, churning the wheel, and we see. A more profitable line, our brains go a mile a minute because all we think about is money all the time. Rightfully so. Rightfully so. But this is where you make your money. This is where you make ends meet. Minus 310 for Sugar Sean O'Malley perhaps one of the best pound for pound fighters in UFC right now is a good number. Just go heavy on that. And I'm going to beg myself to do the same but we all know that I won't do it because there's a parlay in effect. And the second play for Jake's Takes UFC 252 Parlay is Junior Dos Santos going at plus 110 over Jairzino Rosenstruik. I don't know if I said his name right. This is smoke and mirrors. This is a smoke and mirrors line. Junior Dos Santos is the, is the underdog. However, it's a little bit stinky. Junior Dos Santos is 21-7. and Jairzino is 10-1. Obviously a pretty lopsided record for such a not lopsided line. That smells some stink on it. Do you smell that stink? Because I smell that stink. Junior Dos Santos is a savvy veteran. Darzino Rosenstruik never fought a guy like Junior Dos Santos. I think Junior takes this. Take it in the parlay. Savvy veteran moves. And finally, the final play of Jake's Takes is Stipe Miocic over Daniel Cormier at minus 110. Now, this is a very even fight. They fought before Stepe Miocic won. That is probably going to prompt a lot of people to take Daniel Cormier. They think the line's going to hop back and forth. Stepe wins one. Daniel Cormier is going to win another and split the uh, the all-time bouts. My brain goes a different way. Although Daniel Cormier is an all-time great, I was never really a fan because I don't like his fight style. He's not very exciting to watch. But Stipe beat him the last time and Daniel Cormier, he hasn't been in the gym working. Stipe Miocic never stopped fighting. Daniel Cormier has been calling games for ESPN+. Plus. He's been commentating UFC for ESPN+. And like, yes, he's trained for this fight. But there was a period in there where he wasn't doing much. Add that to the fact that he lost in a Fourth-round TKO to Stipe Miocic the last time these two faced off almost exactly a year ago to the day. I got Stipe in this. So the final tally for UFC 252 Jake's Takes Parlay is Sugar Sean O'Malley over Marlon Vera, minus 310. Take that as a side straight-up bet. It's not going to lose. Sugar Sean O'Malley is going to murder Marlon Vera. Junior Dos Santos, plus 110 against Jairzino Rosenstreich. And Stepe Miocic over Daniel Cormier, minus 110. Daniel Cormier, last fight. And unfortunately, he's going to end in a fizzle because the last two fights of his career are going to be losses. So let's move on to our other segment that we do every single week, which of course is our GOAT of the week. <laughs> the greatest of all time this week the goat of the week <laughs> this week is drum roll please ramona shelburne now why would i choose such an arbitrary random reporter to be our goat of the week well ramona shelburne is a person who has a lot of say in a very important thing called the nba mvp and Ramona Shelburne, with no conscience whatsoever, gets on national TV and says this, and I quote, I voted for LeBron James because I tend to be more of a narrative-based voter, and I feel like LeBron James, <laughs> LeBron James took a Lakers team that missed the playoffs six years in a row to the top spot in the West after all the dysfunction of the summer before. Now, those of you who know me know that I have many problems with this quote. First of all, LeBron James is not the best player on the Lakers. LeBron James was on the Lakers last year when they missed the playoffs. The one big, big difference between last year's Lakers and this year's Lakers is Anthony Davis, the guy who currently leads the Lakers in points, rebounds, steals, and blocks. Let alone a slew of role players. They have had... 11 serviceable NBA players on their roster at all times this year. Let alone, they picked up Anthony Davis, who's a superstar. Their team is a lot different from last year. This isn't LeBron James's work turning this Lakers team from a team that missed the playoffs for six years in a row into a one seed. I'm not even saying it's Anthony Davis's work. I'm saying it's a collaborative team effort. Even Frank Vogel, the new coach, he's a fantastic coach. It's no surprise that they're here. People who act surprised by the Lakers' success this year are some of the most lost individuals on the planet Earth. I don't know how you can... Either that or they are just completely blindsided by bias. The dysfunction that she referenced in this quote is in reference to trying to get Anthony Davis, which ended up coming to fruition. This team would have been dysfunctional if they had kept... Lonzo Ball, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart after all the rumors of, of LeBron James trying to get rid of them for another superstar. They were fed up with that. The, the dysfunction was LeBron James's personal problem. He wanted those guys off the team. He wanted another superstar. Obviously, Lonzo, Brandon Ingram, and Josh Hart were pretty uncool with that. What's wrong with us? And they're showing that this year. They're all balling out in New Orleans. Brandon Ingram might win most, improve, most improved player this year. No shocker cuz LeBron James doesn't play well with a guy like Brandon Ingram, but if you give him an opportunity, he's a skilled baller. He's going to do well. Lonzo Ball has had the season of his career of his young career so far. I mean, there's not a huge sample size there, but he's been great. And Josh Hart's playing well too. And they they almost willed the New Orleans Pelicans to a playoff berth this year. Far more impressive than what LeBron James did this year with the Lakers, just overhauling a team, getting another superstar, a bunch of other really serviceable NBA players on that team, i.e. Danny Green, i.e. Kyle Kuzma, i.e. Dwight Howard, i.e. JaVale McGee, i.e. Alex Caruso, i.e. Rajon Rondo, i.e. Avery Bradley. Those are all good NBA players. They're only not good NBA players on LeBron James' team because the fans rather throw other players under the the bus than realize that those guys all play a role and they all play it well and they center around LeBron James and they play around LeBron James very well. They refuse to acknowledge that. It's It's all LeBron James or it's all the teammates. There's no responsibility. There's no nothing. So somebody like Ramona Shelburne admitting to this, choosing a narrative that they like more than tangible results and statistics who yields real power is the type of flat-out ineptitude I like to see. I love to see that type of ineptitude. Good for Ramona Shelburne. (laughs) I mean, with with, with people with powerful jobs, I like to see that type of ineptitude because it brings down the system, the system that we hate so much. Ah, it makes me, it, it, it tickles me pink. It really does. I used that last week and I like it. So it tickles me pink. Ramona Shelburne, the go to the, the, the week. That type of complete dismissal for what the MVP is supposed to be, that is why she's our go to the week. The type of cockiness she showed by taking a responsibility to be impartial and spitting on its face is legendary. That is why she is our go to the week. Ramona Shelburne, our go to the week. okay, you hear that. That's our final bell, and our final bell is going to come full circle. It's full circle this week. I'm going to go back to bad beats. Bad beats run my life. They don't ruin my life because I'm an optimist, positive person, churn the wheel. Dollar and a dream. They are my life. They don't ruin my life. They are my life. They run my life. I thought for once I'd be able to escape a win with the Blue Jays in a dramatic fashion, it couldn't happen. It couldn't happen. Sometimes it doesn't happen. What are you going to do? I thought it was going to be one of the tremendous beats ever. Didn't happen. What are you going to do? It did a complete 180 right in front of my face. sad. It's sad. But you know what? God gives his biggest test to his best warriors. And I, I don't take that for granted. Thank you for the opportunity. I wouldn't want to win easy money because you know what it's going to make me do it's going to make me go back in the trenches down in the dirt dig a little bit more do a little bit more research be smarter be harder be better and win more it's going to make me better as a podcast host it's going to make me better as a person and overall it's going to make me wealthier because all these bad beats they're all leading to something i can't get bad beaten my whole life Because I'm going to turn it around at some point. Sometimes, At some time, I firmly believe that these bad beats are going to turn into good beats. Because I cannot endure all these bad beats forever. It's not going to happen. I refuse to believe that the constant string of bad beats is going to happen. Blue Jays, Dustin Johnson, you guys can try and keep Jake Lenick down. But you won't keep me down for long. Because the cream always rises to the top. And I'm not saying I'm the cream. But I'm saying I'm something like a Phoenix, maybe. I spent some time in Arizona, and the Phoenix rises. And I don't know if this is just the ramblings of a lunatic or the words of an avid fan or whatever it is. All I know is that I am Jake Lenick, and I like gambling, and luck, fate, luck, fate, luck, fate, luck. Fate has to change at some point. It does. It has to. The law of averages. It has to even out at some point. It's crazy. Bayern Munich, Friday. That's all I have to say. And that is going to conclude episode 18 of the Ball Street Podcast. Thank you all for sticking around. As always, I very much appreciate it. And you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Ball Street Pod. That is the at sign, A with the circle around it. B A L L S T R. E E T P O D. Now let's speed that up. We all know we do this every week. I say it slow for the newbies. I say it fast for the for the oldies. That's at Ball Street Pod at sign B A L L S T R E E T P O D. Fuck with me. And of course, as always, I will I will remind you that you can find me wherever you get your podcasts. That's not a message for you. You're listening on your device. It's a message for your friends, your families, the people that want to sit and listen to the Ball Street Podcast with you, with me, win some money, essential workers, dollar and a dream. And that's going to conclude episode 18 of the Ball Street Podcast. Again, thank you all for sticking around. And until next time, remember to hedge your bets. And you don't gamble to win. You gamble so you can gamble the next day. Peace. That's life.